Okay, so this is our first podcast, and what it is, it's a group of guys getting together to chat. Um, my name's Ian. My name's Lauren. And my name's Greg. And you know, this came out of you know, we'd known each other for years. We've been um, dads at baseball games, people who sort of you know have a, the odd conversation here and there, and then. This year, we decided on New Year's Eve to do something more than just getting together at baseball games, but to get together for coffee once a week and make a commitment to do something different. And out of that, we've been doing it constantly every week, but the group's grown. But the three of us are really the main core of the group, would you say? Yes, I would agree with that. And it, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great way to get together on a weekly basis to, to make sure that we all adhered to our New Year's goals at first. Yeah. And then yeah. it became a random set of topics each week. See, because what, one thing I really enjoyed about what we did on New Year's Eve was not only to talk New Year's resolutions, but to tell everyone about them because it, it made you committed. If you, mm-hmm. it's, it's that adage, if, if, if you want to work out and you want to be strong, you got to get someone else to hold you accountable, right? right? So what would we do? The first thing we went hiking. We we got that under our belts. Did that, um, but the coffee thing was something that we talked about doing um, weekly, and we've stuck to it, which is amazing. We're like what thirty weeks into the year, and we haven't missed a week. At well, least two people have been there. Right. So at least two people. Not necessarily everybody there every right. week, but that's the beauty of it because the conversation changes each week based on the dynamics of yeah who was able to attend. Yeah, it's so it's great to think right. We've got in that group. We've got. Doctors, we've got real estate people, we've got tech people, we've got marketing people, we've got entrepreneurs. It's across the board and growing. And I think for a lot of like guys out there, um, you get to your middle ages, you're married, you've got kids. People don't have that, and it's amazing. I think when even when I tell people who are not in our group about it, the draw about what this is is really appealing to them. Yeah, I was uh, on my way here. I actually had a conversation with a former coworker, and we were just catching up on things. She's a lot younger, uh, but I had mentioned that our generation, we focus so much on the family, providing for the family, being there for the family, being the anchor as much as we can be. And we kind of lose sight on our relationships, and uh, this I re- I've. I view this project as the fellowship project yeah. of reconnecting with men. And, uh, you know, we've, we've shared a lot of good information and I think a lot of knowledge has been transferred over a cup of coffee once a week. And, and, and not just that, like the supportive side of it. And we've talked and we've had, you know, the doctor in our group talk about it as well, about the amount of men, middle-aged men who commit suicide, mm. depression and that sort of thing. And, it's a, it's a real thing. So the idea that the energy that's involved in this, it's something I really look forward to each week. Oh, definitely. Like, it's the highlight of my week. You know, it's it's a break. Everyone at work gets to fellow, especially if you work remote, right? Everyone at work gets to hang out in the, in the, in the coffee room and get together at the water cooler. But if you work remote, you don't. And a lot of guys just lock themselves into their job and they don't as well. Absolutely. Even, well, I think I might be the only one in this group that actually goes to the office, but I will tell yeah. you <laughs> that um, I don't necessarily have as much in common with those people. Professionally, I do. But this group is with guys that I've known for years, and 
we're walking a similar path with similar challenges. And I think that the level of support as well as, I don't know the right term, like just raw honesty with each other on, I can remember conversation about one of our sons and how they interacted with the first time a girlfriend came around the house and where else are you going to have a conversation about that right. and what's normal and what's acceptable and and how do we raise our families and just a sense of we're a community that's connected yeah. because you can so easily disconnect and to your point earlier on the suicide i mean my gosh it's a tragedy and uh Actually, I think, Lauren, were you the one that mentioned about trying to expand this? Yes. Eventually, so it would be like one of the, the goals would be to each one of us take a group and start another smaller group. Which would be awesome. Yeah. And just have it as a, you know, everyone gets to add to it and then, and then have a larger group where all the subgroups get together and... Mm-hmm. And see how that goes. See, you know, one thing, one of the things that I, I think about a lot about this is it's amazing how we did it with no charter. There was no goal to it, right? Right. None right. of us said, "Hey, we're going to get to that, and here's going to be the structure of it." There was no agenda. There's no charter. There's nothing. It was just like, "Hey, let's get together for coffee and see what happens." And it's kind of funny because you, t- you know, you, you tell your wife about it. And she's like, "You talk about what?" and it's yeah there's no I think that no agenda side of thing is great and it is what a lot of guys need they need to shoot the breeze with people and if they can't find people to have more than a five minute conversation with neighbor in the street or whatever I think that eats away at people eventually because we said it before and I think Andrew Tate said it the most guys will say the best time of their life was when they were playing football, and to quote him, it wasn't about the team. It was about the camaraderie. And I think a lot of that ends up getting lost. So for me, you know, going back to New Year's resolutions, was it was huge. It got me to hold me to New Year's resolutions. And I think that collaborative, let's achieve something this year, even if it's just coffee every week for the for whole year, it, it, it changes a lot of other things in your life. And my, I know for me, my life's changed this year and I'm really thrilled with that. I, uh, I, I think this is the year of change for me. I'm, I haven't been as aggressive as you have Ian with regard to dietary changes and yeah. Lauren's hiking every peak in this beautiful state. Um, but there have been some pretty dramatic changes, uh, maybe not as externally viewable, but it is that connection to other people. I mean, if you think about it, we live in a society that people pull into their neighborhood, drive into their garage, close the garage door right behind them. And don't see anybody. Exactly. And okay. when they're at the grocery store, maybe they're on their phone. They're not talking to the person in front of them or behind them in line. Um, we've just, as a society, I think we need to take a minute and extend a hand and say hello. But, and you think about it, if we look back on our conversations at baseball and or going out for drinks, the depth of that conversation is so different than the conversations we have over coffee. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, then, and it's so much more enriching and deeper. You know, the, coffee, the, the drink stuff's fun, and the baseball light name that tune's fun and all that <laughs> sort of thing, but it's fleeting compared with the relationships with, you know, I think, I think about Sabir and Robert and, you know, Ed, and it's like, you know, the... 
I don't think I would have had the types of conversations with those guys if it wasn't for this group as well. Definitely. I think just having the, the various subjects to talk about and, and, you know, different perspectives, you know, yeah. from having a doctor talk about, you know, listen to us talk about AI versus uh, someone in the mortgage industry, finance industry, talking about the AI. That's two different perspectives. And and it's it's great to get those type of perspectives all the time. Well, you also see how across industries, you know, it is effect, AI is affecting different industries. So you'll see the doctor talking about how it's affecting his world, how it's doing contract searches, how it's working in marketing and all those different areas. It's um, something that's not going away. And I know it's been your focus, Lauren, with, especially with the chat GPT and all the other tools you've shown us, which have been pretty amazing. <laughs> well, and I was... Uh, when we first started talking about it, I thought, well, this is the end of me professionally. Um, but I think I have grown through the conversations, at least conversations that started with Coffee Talk and might spin off to another discussion, to not fear AI, figure out mm -hmm. how to benefit from it. And had I not been attending our regular Coffee Talks, I would still be living in that fear-based mindset of AI equals fear. Yeah. Definitely. Do you think as well the conversations open us all up to converse better with other people in our lives as well? It's almost like a practice, a practice run-up, having a conversation, whether it's with your kids, your wife, friends. I, I, uh, I, think, I think some people that I talk with in the office, I can tell you around the house, they're tired of hearing the coffee group <laughs> or the fellowship exercise because... I'll start a conversation with someone, just a regular conversation. Oh, yeah, the guys that I have coffee with, we talked about this. Right. And so I think that for some people, they're probably like, Greg's just a broken record. I'm tired of hearing about this coffee group. But then to join. your point, <laughs> pardon me? Then join. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely, to a point, there's, yeah, so it's kind of, it's a, like, it's a morning dress rehearsal. We start before the day. And so we're not impacting anything else in the day. It's a great way to start. Yeah. I, yeah, I, in talking to other people, I've talked to neighbors who are like, that's awesome. Maybe that's something I should come do. Come on. But yeah. you know, it, it, people, it's interesting people taking that step because Lauren, you and I talked on New Year's Eve about how people talk a big game. And one of my promises was if I say yes to something, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> well, no, one of the big things that you said, and it's influenced me is if someone asks you to do something, even though your first instinct is to say no, is to say yes and go do it. Right. And I've tried to do that as much this year as possible. There'll, there'll be times that someone will ask to do something. I'm like, I really don't want to do that. I just want to sit on the couch and, and watch TV or something. But that, the impetus to go, okay, well, if you asked me to do it, I better do it. Yeah. And I may not like it, but I'll do it and <laughs> figure it out. And least I know I've had an experience. In <laughs> now that makes a lot more sense because I did ask you a technical question late one day. I didn't expect a response and I got a response back like 30 minutes later. <laughs> and now I understand why. Now I feel a little guilty for asking you when I did. <laughs> Thank well, you again for helping me. <laughs> no, no, no problems there. <laughs> yep, it's it's for what you wish for, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, and you know, tech questions usually get my interest going. Sure. So. Sure, yeah, sure. you know, one of the notes I wrote down for this was, you know, about being impeccable with your word. And 
you know, there's a lot of philosophies in religion and just different ways of living where if you make a promise, you keep a promise. And you look at society, society doesn't keep promises anymore. Politicians don't keep promises anymore. And so for me, that was always a big one. It's like, if you're going to say you're going to do something, you've got to follow through and do it. Well, what, are, what I, I'm asking a loaded question of both of you gentlemen. What are you most proud of? This year? No, in life. Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I was hopefully trying to lead you down a path that isn't working, but. <laughs> I, well, so I can tell you what I'm um, most proud of is my kids. Like, okay. My kids are the, like, family. Sure. I, I don't want to leave yeah. my wife out of the, the equation as well, but it's definitely I'm proud of my kids. Each one is uniquely different sure. and has different strengths and uh, different weaknesses as well. But I like to think that they all have something that's going to propel them in life to Absolutely. great, you know, ends. And I hope that uh, I just enjoy seeing where they go. Sure. Absolutely. And yeah. having one kid go off to, you know, two daughters in, in college and then my first son off, you know, last week goes to college. So it's it's a. It's interesting you mention that because my mother, um, God rest her soul, was when she was working four boys in the house, and her friend had four boys in her house as well. All four of my mother's friends' boys went to jail. Wow! None of my brothers have yet, right? And one of the things my mother always said before she passed was, "I'm so proud of you guys," because she never went down that path, right? Sure. Sure. And, and it's something you think, oh, well, really, how, how many people go to jail? But a lot of kids get in a lot of trouble. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and, and the reason that I ask that question is being impeccable with your word is you're absolutely right. Our kids are exposed to what is right and what is wrong, being taught to them by someone that doesn't, that isn't part of their family unit. Right. That... They look on TV. You'd mentioned politicians, 100%. So being impeccable, the, the kids learn the most from the home environment. As much as we may think that society doesn't want them to, they still learn the most from us. And so I think your topic of being impeccable, that's critical for the next generations of life. Well, you think about it as well. Like it's, you, We're in a society with subjective and objective truths. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, black isn't black and white isn't white anymore. It's, eh, it's if you see it that way or it, and it can be applied to a myriad of issues. But how do you get kids to be sound and on the straight and narrow when that's what they face every day? Sure. And, and we have exposure to them for 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And the that's our influence. Right. 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 Yeah. That's it, that's a tough one, um, and you can only hope the schools will do that job of holding them to the truth. But again, when you have objective and subjective truth, what the hell does that mean? Well, and so Lauren has the oldest kids in the group. I think are our daughters the same age? Oldest is twenty-two. Okay, so you've got me by a year. But have you had any conversations where there's been a heart-to-heart? I really appreciate the guys, the way you guys have raised me. I really appreciate the love, the support, the validation of all the time and effort that you and Amy have put into it. Yeah, the I think all the ones that have left the house have definitely said, "Yeah, I totally appreciate 
what you've done, mm-hmm. you know, as parents. Um, is that the journey you make to you don't know what you've got till it's gone? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. When they, well, they have friends that are going through hard times and they, you know, they have to ad- adjust to that. And then they're trying to, you know, comprehend, you know, when they see hardships that they're, you know, their friends or their, you know, significant others are having. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have, um, we can't advise them on everything. So giving them that background helps them a lot. Mm-hmm. And they, they've, you know, at least my daughters have both expressed it, said, you know, we totally appreciate this. That's great. Cause you know, we all had growing up elders that said, you know, you walked five miles uphill to work and five <laughs> miles uphill yeah. back home, you know, <laughs> and, and it almost, I almost feel like my kids don't understand how tough we had it. And maybe that's just, that's just the cycle. And I don't think I appreciated my mother until much later in life, her and four boys in a very small oh, house. Gosh. Yes. I, I know. know. I didn't appreciate my parents at all as, as a teenager and, and I've apologized to them right. since because there's living, uh, li- having living through kids and all the hardships that you go through with kids. They definitely had a, a different uh, road back then. I remember uh, asking my mom shortly after our daughter was born, uh, when do you stop worrying about the kids? And she said, I'll let you know when I'm done worrying about you. Yeah, that's a great line. And I, th- I think that's the... I've even heard about people who, on their deathbed, their own, their worry wasn't death. It was the people who still live it. Sure, sure. I could see that. Yeah. If you devote your life to your family, to others, yeah, then yeah, that could be the biggest fear. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, this is the... The, the sort of conversations that I, I know a lot of people aren't having. Like, what advice would we give other people to start something like we've got, which is special? And you know, what steps are they going to take to actually get there? Just do it. Yeah, that, that's the hardest part is trying to figure out, you know, I know when we were, we'd always see each other. I was always, oh, how are you doing? Oh, living the dream. Right. That was the conversation. And we should. And we should, but like take it beyond the the catchphrase of living the dream and just mm-hmm. say, hey, no, really, how are you doing? Yeah. And taking that extra step. Yeah, because I, I think if we had something to anchor it around, which was uh, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. I, and you make you throw these promises out there. It'd be different if we were in a bar in the middle of March doing it right. <laughs> so I think that that was good. But I, you know, as a last sort of point for me, it's finding you find out who your friends really are, not with the baseball that connected us, but the values that connect us. Well, to your point, there were how many families in our little league? Yeah, lots. And how many actually have participated in this coffee project? A few have said they've done it. They would, but haven't. Um, That's been interesting that they just haven't found the time for it. Um, So what do you think? 15, maybe 15 guys have joined? Like, 
obviously it's more convenient for some people, whatever that might yeah. be. But if you talk about a little league of several hundred players over so multiple they, multiple years, over multiple years, and you, I mean, the players, at least for the three of us, represented two parents for every one player. Well, not uh, that's not true, but anyway, we were talking about a. Um, we did have that commonality, but why isn't everybody else? What's going on with the others? Right. Why? Why haven't they? And maybe they have found something. Maybe we're just not listening to enough podcasts. Right. And you think you know people like Blinn, We have uh, people who have different things in common with different people. Like Blinn and I share the religious life together, and again, that's values. Uh, but you look at it across the group. Even people who we may disagree with politically, there's still that values part that. And it used to be the greatest thing about America was you could agree to disagree, right? Uh, but uh, but hold the same values. Where I think that the values piece has been shoved even further into the forefront at the moment. And when you disagree on values, it's hard to breach that chasm. Uh, I agree. So episode one in the books. Perfect. Okay. Until next time. <laughs> Roger that.